Welcome to the Bubblehead Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Eric with my co-host Robert. How you doing today, Robert? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we just had first week at NFL and uh, finally have football back. Um, you know, so we have a jam-packed week this week for uh, storylines. So looking forward to that. Um, I would like to introduce, we have a guest this week. Uh, it's Justin Andrew from the uh, Dynasty Brews podcast. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, Justin? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, yeah. So I'm just a contributor over there at uh, Dynasty Brews. I have some content up at uh, Prediction Strike and um, the Dynasty Nerd. So just kind of fun stuff I do in my spare time. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're a Nebraska fan. You want to talk about the Scott Frost firing a little bit and kind of. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, with Frost being gone, I think it was time. It was, uh, as a fan last week, it was, my wife was asking why I was laughing because there was just several instances in that game where it's just like, you, all you can do is laugh as a fan. Like you, you don't lose to a team like Georgia Southern in year five, you know, Notre Dame, it's year one, there's excuses, but year five, you just can't have that happen. So, you know, going forward, I have a lot of, uh, Harbor, uh, the Harbor guy on my team in some of these campus cans, but overall, I don't know who they're going to go with. I just don't know. I don't even know. If, I can't even type. It's going to be offensive or defensive guy, but I do think it is a big, uh, it is a still a big job in the fact that it's the big 10 or the sec and they kind of have an easier path to the big 10 championship. So I think they will get some decent names. It's just going to be if it's the right fit or not when it all is said and done, because it is a tricky job. Yeah. It's a little bit tougher of a recruitment yeah. than, than in some areas. So, um, But, yeah, let's jump into some other uh, kind of college news or college content here. Uh, so the big games this week were kind of your mostly quarterback showdowns, right? You had Bryce Young, Quinn Ewers with Texas, Alabama. You had Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Uh, when you're talking about Kentucky first Florida, those are kind of the two, two biggest games. Um, so let's start off with Eric and talking about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, you, you said you watched that game pretty extensively. Let's, what do you, what are your kind of thoughts about the, those two performances? Yeah, this was my game to watch for this past week. And mostly it was disappointing, uh, especially from the quarterbacks. I mean, Levis, he played all right. He played like the classic Will Levis game. Uh, he had just over 50% completion. Uh, he had a good yards per attempt over eight. Uh, but, you know, his QBR was 40 because he didn't run and he had one TD, one interception. Meanwhile, Anthony Richardson, God, as great as his game was against Utah, this was equally as bad. He had a QBR below four. I mean, uh, 40% completion. It was ugly. Um, but... You know, honestly, for these players, it's not that surprising, right? Like, big stage, big SEC game, and we know they're rough products. So I'm not, like, terrified about their prospects in the NFL, but certainly this is bringing them quite a big notch down from the other better QB prospects. Yeah, you know, just looking at – I think it'll watch a whole lot of the game, even if you just look at the box score. I mean, Anthony Richardson, 14 of 35, two interceptions. Um, I mean, if you have him, I I would say you probably want to hold him, right, Um, in in Debbie Leagues, but not something that you're going to (laughs) really – that you're too enthusiastic about this week. 
Yeah, you know, I think with Anthony Richardson, it kind of it kind of shows you the the what you get with Anthony Richardson. Like, you know, he, he's inconsistent currently. You know, he can obviously work on that and get better with that, but he currently he's really inconsistent. And uh, I think that's kind of what this game showed. And, and, you know, Will Levis, you know, he doesn't really have many great weapons. The team's not really uh, really a defensive team around him, but um, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of those deals too. I I don't know about you guys, but I saw you know I saw Florida win week one, and I wasn't really convinced long term on this team being being you know one of the contenders this year. So I I'm not too you know I'm not too high on on Florida. Surprised they lost to Kentucky, but uh, I'm also not surprised at the same time. I think it just showed more how bad the Pac-12 can be than it showed how good Florida could be. Um... Yeah, but um, for the Texas Alabama game, I think that was probably a big surprise for a lot of people. You know, Eric and I, we really thought this was going to be a blowout. I thought this was going to be maybe a three, four touchdown game. Um, Texas though played them well, uh, really exposed the offensive line and the wide receivers. Uh, Eric, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I was just you. I thought it was going to be a blowout. I took Bama plus, or uh, minus twenty and a half. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a total walk away. And what I was worried about is Quinn Ewers getting mentally damaged. I didn't realize it was going to be physical damage was going to be the result. Um, Quinn looked really good to start, you know, had that great, you know, drive. And then, of course, comes down on the shoulder. Uh, I think it was an AC joint. I, I can't recall exactly, but he looks like he's out for six-ish weeks. Who knows? But... Yeah, Alabama's wide receivers look terrible. Uh, outside of the one big rush by McClellan, they didn't, you know, their running game was pretty weak. Um, is this, I'm wondering, are you all thinking this is Texas's back or Bama's not nearly as good as we thought? I don't, I don't know. It's tough for me. I know it's only week two. I almost got the feel that like, you know, this was Texas's Super Bowl or like Texas's bowl game ask, like, you know, we have a point to prove. They say we don't belong here in the SEC type of deal. Um, I kind of want to see a little bit more consistency, but it was a great game for them. Even with the Ewers injury, they kept it close. So like um, they could easily be back. I think they might have the right head coach, but it's also tough to say because as a Nebraska fan, I've heard other people say that. So I think that I think that you know you got this, you got Manning coming to town. I think Texas is on upward trajectory. It's just now going to be how does it look in the SEC? Can this be an, Can they do this week in and week out as well? Yeah, I don't think Texas is back just because of this one game. Um, you know, I've seen Texas play good games before. You know, like um, I think this was just Alabama kind of overlooking them. Uh, you know, I, I think Alabama came out and they're like, okay, well, everybody's thinking we're going to win by four scores. And, and then they just laid an egg for the first half. Um, so, you know, I don't read too much into it. I think it is a one game. Um, and you know, that's kind of one of the things like you can overreact to one game in college. If you lose a game, right, you're potentially out of the rank, out of the, the run. Right. So, uh, for them to even, you know, we'll get the W, even though it was not pretty, like they still, they're still in the hunt. Right. So they'll still have a good shot at going to the playoffs. So um, last one I wanted to mention though, for this was Caleb Williams. Um, and specifically not necessarily how he played against Stanford, even though, you know, he had another fantastic game against Stanford. I just wanted to talk about it. Does he, is he in 
the is he above cj stroud bryce young for you guys is he in the same tier you know is he like the bottom of that tier you know what kind of where does he rank for you guys uh, let's start with justin yeah i mean he's up there <clears throat> i'm a i'm a little bit hot takey though um I have, you know, the, the top two guys, but the number three, I actually have Phil Yurkovic out of Boston College, and then I probably put him right after that. I think Yurkovic's on a kind of a bad team, and week one, I know he had some up and down moments, but I think that the that the, the talent is there, and I think come February, he's going to be rising up a lot of draft boards if you have him, and if he's available in like a C2C league or something, um, you know, I think he's going to be a, a sleeper for me going into the draft next year. So right now I have him firmly at three behind the first two guys you mentioned. Okay. What about you, Eric? Well, I love the Yurkovich love uh, by Justin. Not quite as high, but so Caleb, I think clear the clear class of 2024 NFL draft uh, in terms of comparing to Bryce and CJ, I'll slot him right in the middle. I think, right, if we're talking a Devi asset, if we're talking an NFL prospect, I think Bryce is going to be the third on that list. And his size is probably the number one reason. It's like this dude might be 5'10", like 180. Like he's tiny. And I was super impressed. I mean, I've been impressed, right? Heisman Trophy. He was the only real player, you know, against Texas last week, but uh i'll slot uh caleb in at number two amongst us top three all right i like it yeah i actually have caleb at uh number two as well but i have bryce young number one um and one of the big reasons i have bryce young at number one is because you know quarter, playing quarterback at the nfl level is a lot of a mental game and i like the fact that i hear everything i hear out of alabama is this guy is the smartest guy on the field you know who else was we were getting talked about like that mika fitzpatrick Right. So, you know, if he can have a kind of a similar career, it's like kind of a Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, like, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick has been one of the best safeties in, in the NFL. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, whatever I was playing back, you know, not that I was the best, but um, what I lacked for athleticism, I did make up for in smarts is what people is what I tell myself, but I wasn't very good. But um, I do think that, you know, my coach used to say if it's like 90% is actually mental and 10% is physical. So I agree with you that, especially for the quarterback position, like you have to know where all your players are. You have to know what the defense is doing. I mean, I don't think any of us would sit here and say like Tom Brady's the most gifted passer, but he's probably the smartest dude on the field, right? Yeah. So I agree. That's a definitely, definitely. a big aspect. So let's move on to what everybody's here for is NFL. Um, so starting off with some quarterback storylines. Um, so I think the biggest one is Dak Prescott's injury. Um, you know, he's going to miss, I think is it's what about six weeks, eight weeks now is the current prognosis. Unless you're Jerry uh, Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Unless yeah. you listen to Jerry. <laughs> uh, so Justin, what do you think? Are you kind of all out on the Cowboys? Do you think maybe they can yeah. make a run? So I've, I've actually been out on them all offseason. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought CD was very overvalued this offseason. Some people had him as high as like number three in terms of dynasty. Um, but this could be a window. Um, you know, by day I do, you know, I'm in finance. So, um, you know, by day I'm kind of like a bargain hunter. So if I can get a discount on DAC, if I could trade away like a Zach Wilson in a one, 
I, I might see if I could get that deal done because I think some people are going to panic. You know, Dak had this injury. He kind of fell off in some people's eyes light last year after that injury in, in New England, but really statistically it wasn't that bad. So, you know, in terms of Dallas as a whole, I'm kind of out on in the short term, but they've got a very good schedule the back half of the year that I think could be very beneficial if you can keep your team alive, so to speak. If you could go 500, get Dak back um, as your QB2, um, with, you know, whoever is at your QB one, I think you can make a really good run the second half of the season. Yeah. I, I'll flex. say, I'll say that with Dak, the reason I'm worried about Dak has nothing to do with the injury. It, it's more to do with how bad the offensive line and the receivers looked, right? They got absolutely outclassed by Tampa Bay. Um, and I mean, yeah, Tampa Bay is a really good defense, but at the same time, like I, sh- I saw nothing that really made me think that, I want Dak Prescott as like my QB one in fantasy this year. Um, oh, and, yeah. and you're right. You're right about this QB two, right? If he's your QB two, that's like a pretty good situation, right? Because you're looking at a potential top twelve, at least at a minimum, quarterback. So, but the other thing you, to think about too, there though, is like part of me is buying him. I mean, like Zach Wilson's pretty firmly my QB two in my leagues, but like come next year when Sean Payton's there, I don't, you know. I know some people are trying to be like, he's not going to be here next year. I don't know. But I think that Sean Payton makes a lot of sense for them if they don't, if this team doesn't do something. And I think you could see Dak take that next step. But, you know, like you said, how good is he going to be if the talent's not there? Because they keep blowing up this cap situation like it's nothing. So, yeah, I just want to understand why did they trade Amari Cooper and then not sign anybody? But, uh, let's see. Let's go with you, Eric. What are, you, what are your thoughts here? In most part, I just agree with you all on Dak. I mean, it's sad. Dak is a great player. Like what he did pre to that horrific ankle injury, he was just lighting up the league. And what's happened since then? The offensive line is just completely nosedive, and the wide receiver, you know, talent has nosedive too. Um, in the short term, right? It depends on what type of league you're in. If you're playing redraft, oh yeah, you know, total panic mode for Cowboys. If you're de- uh, dynasty. I'm not really that worried. You know, certainly you're, if you're a contender, you want to like look elsewhere, maybe try and make a move in the immediate, you know, future. But I still think CD lamb is going to be a good player. Is he going to reward the people that were taking him as wide receiver three? Uh, That's definitely, you know, a bit of a question mark right now, but he, you know, he at worst, I think is the new DJ Moore, you know, the guy that we're always looking at as being the, you know, the next ascender. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of insulation on uh, C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott still in Dynasty. So I'm not too worried, but yeah, yeah, obviously this isn't good news. So next people to talk about here is Trey Lance and Jameis Winston. So Trey Lance had a pretty bad game, but it was in a terrible weather conditions. Um, So, you know, how much do you guys read into the uh, to that? Uh, What about you, Eric? So you're right. The weather is the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this game for every position relevant, right? All of the different players across Chicago and uh, San Fran. Now with Lance, the biggest takeaway I'm having is he had 13 rushing attempts, right? So they're, you're using him with his legs. Uh, there was no George Kittle here. Um, but, you know, obviously it wasn't good. And especially, right, they lost Elijah Mitchell, who is a very solid running back. But we've seen for years Kyle Shanahan uh, just cycle in running backs with little 
you know, small drop off as it goes down the step chart. Um, so really, you know, for me, Trey Lance is like, hey, I just need to see more. You know, it's it. I'm not going to take too much away from that game they had because it was a monsoon. Like Chicago, you know, nearly flooded. Yeah. You know, the thing about Trey Lance, I'd still take Trey Lance over fields. And if you're a DFS guy at all, I mean, Trey Lance makes a lot of sense. A lot of people are kind of overreacting to that monsoon. Um, and I think that they're kind of foolish, too. I, you know, I watched that game. I know Lance had his struggles. But the, like you said, the 13 rush attempts, Debo Samuel's getting the ball. I mean, if Debo Samuel, I think, is going to be a value, too. I mean, some people might react to his, his fumble early on. Uh, had nine carries, I want to say. So um, I'm still pretty bullish on this offense. I was never really too invested in the backfield with such a mobile quarterback. Yeah, my, my issue with Trey Lance, in, and it has nothing to do really with the game itself. It's it's just that with Jimmy Garoppolo still there, what's that leash look like? You know, if he has like two, three bad games in a row, are we talking it's Jimmy Garoppolo season again? You know, that's my issue with Trey Lance. Um, and, and I... I, I'm curious how, how long that leash is, really. Yeah, I, I've leaned, I've, I've kind of agreed with that stance for a while. The only caveat is uh, I remember watching a game at a bar a couple years ago with my brother, and I can't remember who the quarterback was, but they like yanked this dude out, put in Colt McCoy. Uh, this was when Colt McCoy was with the Browns. Colt McCoy gets injured the next play, and then they have to trot back out the guy. So like, knowing Jimmy G's injury history, like how do you take the guy out? Jimmy G gets certain like, oh yeah, we we trust you. You're gonna run the offense well. Like we you're good. Like yeah. it's just like that's my fear is like, yeah, it's it's a good argument on you know, as you say it, but then like as me, I'm kinda like I don't think I could do it just because I I'm not gonna lie, like I'm like, Oh yeah, you're you're good. I trust you to run this because I just pulled you out. Like that'd be my fear, I guess. It's kinda like with Tua, right? When when Tua was a rookie, you know, they yeah, pulled him out and <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. so the next person to talk about here is Jameis Winston, right? So the, the saints actually, you know, I, I was, uh, I'm obviously very bullish on the saints as a saints fan. <laughs> um, but you know, the offensive line was very poor, uh, very, very poor, uh, against the Falcons. Um, and that's kind of, I'm not necessarily out on Jameis Winston as a backup quarterback for, for like, you know, your fantasy team. I think he's a solid QB two still, but, um, I think his his upside is a little bit limited with the offensive line. What do you guys think, Eric? I'll tell you, I honestly didn't get to catch this game because it was an out-of-market one for me. But um, I was following it closely because I'm with you. I've been very bullish on the Saints team. I feel like Jameis could be a – you know, a QB one. And I thought Michael Thomas could resurrect his, you know, his career. Um, so I was happy to see Jameis, you know, and Michael Thomas connecting, but I was sitting there shocked. You know, what was it like 20 to three? Like they just got blown out to start the game. I guess the Falcons. It's, yeah, it's 26 okay. to 10, yeah. 26, 26 to 10. 26. And that's uh, tra- trending all over Saints Twitter, by the way. They, yeah. They're very ecstatic that they came back. Uh, that to, is funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Falcons, no lead is safe. You know, yeah. like, this <laughs> is, it's ridiculous. You know, it's what five, six times in the last four years they've just blown these incredible movie like leads. But, um, yeah, to get like blown out of the gates by Marcus Mariota led Atlanta Falcons, that was concerning. But hey, it's See, week one. I, t- I told you, though, one. I told you that this was going to happen. I told you that Atlanta always plays the, the, uh, the Saints close. 
It's it's like it's one a division of those game, right? Yeah. You know, division game week one. You can't you know look too much into it. But I will, um, I will say, like, I didn't think about the fact that they do play them close. You're absolutely right. I guess when I was watching, because I have NFL ticket, like I was, I flipped it on and I was just like, man, like all off season, I, I want to buy into the Saints offense, but there's just one person, there's one person that I refuse to buy in on. And that's Dennis Allen. Like, I just, I did not love the hire. So my fear has been that if I buy into this offense, it's going to be a, like a slippery slope of a season. And so all off season, I got into this Alvin Kamara thing where Kamara is probably going to play. He's a value. And now I'm just sitting here with all these Kamara shares. And I'm like, here we are. I bought in to, you know, Dennis Allen. And I don't know, like, I, I want, I think Jameis Winston is going to be good. I don't, you know, I don't think they even have a first round pick next year. So I think his job's safe for next year. So I'm kind of willing to ride it out because I don't think there's any way his job's going to be at risk, even going into the next season, unless they can swing a trade for like Lamar Jackson, which I just don't see happening. Well, they might get a first round pick from Sean Payton because he's still under contract oh, with them for yeah, another true. couple of years. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking this week with a grain of salt as a Saints fan just because it's the Falcons. They always play them tough. The, the offensive line was not good, but you know if they can if they can fix that and get some of that protection like kind of ironed out like they did in the uh, the second half there, I think a lot of the the best way to, for them to do that though is just short, quick passes uh, and kind of take the the onus off the offensive line. Um, but moving on to the running backs, so there was. Some pretty big storylines here from running backs. Um, so is Saquon back, Eric? Saquon is back. I've wanted this to happen all offseason. I, I, you know, I am so excited. Um, honestly, what this makes me think of is take this information and look to J.K. Dobbins, right? Last year we were all saying, hey, Saquon's back, Saquon's back. Redraft League, Saquon was a first-round pick, and he completely underwhelmed us. And then, you know, in interviews this offseason, you know, a year, you know, almost two full years removed from his ACL, he, they interviewed him. He said, yeah, honestly, I, I wasn't really 100%. I'm, you know, a million times more healthy than I was last year. And I think that will apply to JK. But, I mean, Saquon, uh, I think it was the most rushing yards ever by Giants in a week one. You know, he was heavily involved in the passing game. They went and took down Tennessee the uh, number one seed last year, Saquon's back. I mean, I think he's going to be a top five finish uh, this season with the ceiling is as high as it can be. I mean, it's Saquon Barkley, guys. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I got a lot of heat in one of my leagues because I traded away Cam Akers in a one to get Saquon this offseason. And I was all in on him. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, it's been the talent. The talent has been there, but I looked back at, uh, I wrote an article on prediction strike over the off season. The, the, the amount of rushes that you've seen um, Brian Dable draw up for Jamal Charles, Peyton Hillis got on the Madden cover because of Brian Dable. If you look at the dude's history, that dude loves to run the football um, unless you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Cause that didn't seem to happen, but um, I loved the kind of the trajectory of that. So I'm, I'm with you. I think Saquon's back and I love this offense for him. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect fit and it looks like the offensive offensive hire to for head coach is like really helped this team um and i don't know if they're the giants aren't necessarily a contender but just because they beat the titans but um you know (laughs) 
so it's going to be an interesting year for the Giants, I think. Yeah. Something I also want to mention, if you guys don't mind, is I thought it interesting. There's a, I liked Malik Willis coming out, and you know, after this loss, the way they lost this game for Tennessee, and then the way they lost in the playoffs to the Bengals, that's something I'm kind of tracking on throughout the season. Is if they if these losses start to start to pile up, I wonder if they actually make that move. You know, obviously they're not going to if they're in playoff contention, but that is something that I've always kind of, I've I've looked at the schedule and it's like these none of these games are gimmies for me for the Titans based on their roster and the moves they've made. Yeah, they could be a bad football team just trading AJ Brown and you know uh, they don't have really a, a wide receiver one to throw the ball to. Uh, Derrick Henry's getting older, so I agree with that. Um, but so Cordell Patterson. Uh, so he had a really good game last week. Uh, Eric, you you were really surprised by that. What do you, you want to talk about that? And... Yeah, surprised a little bit. But, I mean, this is what we saw from Cordell last year, right? Cordell's been in the league. He was a first-round pick, what, 10 years ago, nine years ago, right? And did nothing, did nothing, did nothing. And then last year, he was fantastic. Came out of nowhere, really. And a lot of people wrote him off. A lot of people acted like this was a flash in the pan. But Cordell had 22 rushes for 120. That's 5.45 a clip. He had the Russian TD. He had another five targets. I mean, like, Cordell Patterson is the ultimate contender by contender player because what you paid to acquire him in the offseason was so low. Like, no one thought he was going to do it again. Um and it looks like he totally could. This looks like an RB1 season for Cadell Paris. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm shocked. I I have him in one league that I traded for him last year as a contender. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's If you have him, good for you because I was not buying the repeat season myself. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were thinking that either Tyler uh... – Algier, uh, yeah. Algier, yeah, um, was going to take over the job, or or even Damian Williams, right? Uh, Damian Williams got hurt, and Tyler was a you know a healthy scratch. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a surprising season. I'm wondering if he can keep it up, but he doesn't have much competition, just like he did last year. So, um, still amazes so, me that career has been this long in the last two years. He's breaking out. So I just find yeah. that funny. So we have a question. Um, so would you guys go with Carson Wentz or Justin Fields? In a week, like I'm assuming weekly matchup. What do you guys think? I, I mean, I, I'll i tell you my stance, but um, I mean, I'm, I have a pretty good feel on Carson Wentz, but I don't know, Justin Fields. Where are you guys at? So I'm on the Justin Fields. You know, I think his rushing upside is higher, um, but... The thing is with Carson Wentz, right? You know exactly what you're going to get. He's a higher floor than than Justin Fields, so uh, I think just Carson Wentz is going to be your safer pick every single week. And then Justin Fields, he could have weeks where he's you know getting like ten points. He could have weeks where he's getting like you know thirty, forty. So uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yep. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm a I'm a bit of the Carson Wentz homer on this podcast because. Uh, Birdman or Robert kind of hates him. Um, but in general, fantasy-wise, Carson's been pretty solid the last few years, even though in you know the NFL he's been considered a bum. But another thing to consider is Justin Fields going against Green Bay. 
in Green Bay Sunday night. That is not an easy environment for a young QB because as bad as Green Bay's offense looked, Aaron Rodgers still owns Chicago. And yeah. Carson's playing Detroit, right? And uh, Detroit just got lit up by Philly and, you know, Jalen Hurts. So I think I'm leading Carson. I, I think Carson's got the safer floor and has the higher ceiling, honestly. Yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, the thing, too, is they're going into Green Bay, like you said. Like, let's If you just look at the weapons around them, I know Dotson scored those two touchdowns last week. I'm, I've been on a McLaurin all offseason. I think this is Wentz's best supporting cast in terms of receivers he's had in his entire career. And then you got Gibson, who looked like he looked like the Gibson of his rookie year last week. So I also I lean Wentz pretty heavily. I I'm pretty overweight on Wentz in Dynasty just because his value kept going so low. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, you know, with Carson, he, he's definitely I'm not a, I'm definitely not a Carson fan, but. He's definitely going to be a solid option in fantasy this week just because short's not very good. Like, I'm streaming everything for Washington this week. So, um, but for Damian Pierce, um, so he was the darling of the NFL offseason, I feel like, and he did not have a good week one. Uh, Rex Burkhead led the tar- led the, the running back room there, and I think most every fantasy analyst was upset about that or at least uh, was surprised about that. Um, Justin, what do you think about that? Um. Yeah, I... Surprised and not surprised. Like I'm surprised that it happened. I'm kind of I, when people were were buying him for a first round in like dynasty or taking him super high in their drafts. I was like, I don't know. I just I had this bad feeling that things aren't always as they seem. You know, when we think we know something pretty well in the industry, it, it sometimes it doesn't go that way. So I wasn't terribly surprised, but still surprised. I do think he's going to start seeing more carries. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Nebraska fan, as we as we mentioned earlier. So I know what Rex Burkhead can do, but by no means do I think Rex Burkhead is more talented than Damian Pierce. I just think that we had, got a little bit over ourselves with how high we were taking him. Yeah, I think he was getting taken a little bit higher than he probably should have been. Um, and he's definitely more talented than Rex Burkhead. The, the thing is, though, is, you know... He's a rookie, right? So, like, he's not going to get thrown into the fire week one. Yeah. So, I think it's a little bit too early to panic, but it's also, it was, you were drafting him too high, most likely, uh, if you have him on your team. So, uh, what about you, Eric? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, right, darling of the uh, training camp preseason for sure. But uh, he still got 12 touches, right? Although 11 of them were rushes. And we thought that Damon Pierce would be a very good, uh, you know, 12, 13 rush per game, plus four, five, six target type of player per game. And that's that was where the value was. Um, I think this is a good indication that if you could have sold for a first in Dynasty, as Justin indicated, that was a really good move because fourth round draft picks, you know, statistically don't pan out. Even if he had a great season or a great week one, I'd still feel the same way. Um, but if you're, you know, Damien Pierce Truther, Lovey Smith did say that their game plan kind of got, a, you know, sideways and they wanted to use Damien a little more, but it didn't happen. But let's be serious. Lovey Smith's a defensive coach and a lot of defensive head coaches, um, you know, they don't have total authority on the way the offense runs. So Rex Burke had got by far and away the more valuable touches. So until I see it, Damien Pierce is staying on my bench. 
I mean, and let's not pretend to Lovey Smith. The, there was a reason that he was, you know, after having been a coach for head coach for what ten years in the uh, early two, the the two thousands, that he's in twenty uh, tens. He was not a coach anymore, right? He is yeah. not necessarily a head coach. I don't think he, he's a defensive coach. I don't think he's a good head coach. He's the he's the Norv Turner of the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is perfect. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to think about uh, Houston. I feel like they're tanking, but I feel like they're trying not to tank too. So it's kind of weird. But um, yeah, let's let's so let's move on to Antonio Gibson. Uh, so Eric, he is your the person you want to talk about uh, pretty heavily. So let's let's jump in. What, what did you have to say about Antonio? Uh, so I, I've been heavy on Antonio Gibson compared to consensus for a while um and then this preseason period really made that even more escalated because right we all saw it you know uh he was making fumbles in preseason he was punt returner in practice brian robinson brian robinson brian robinson you know everyone you know he was left for dead and it's horrible i you know i feel for the person uh brian robinson unfortunately was shot twice during a attempted robbery um, but you know, for fantasy an- analysts, that that happened, and Antonio Gibson has the clear role to a bell cow, and he turned that into week one with a quarterback that tends to not love to chuck the you know chuck the ball down. He still had eight targets, and he caught seven of those, right? And he had fourteen rushing attempts, and he still had a solid yard to carry over four on those. Uh, this is a player that had twenty fantasy points for you, and he didn't have a touchdown. Right, so that right there tells me that Antonio Gibson can be an RB one this season. He's been almost an RB one both of his first two years. I think that we're going to see very similar, you know, RB ten to RB fifteen production this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I 100 there. Um, it all depends on. I know that they said that you know Robinson was back running and stuff, but he is a running back, so I don't know, um, you know, how that's going to shake out, but. Barring injury and health, I don't see any reason why he couldn't finish top 12 this season. Yeah, I mean, my thing is, right, this is an audition as well. Um, so I was always saying the entire offseason, I said, this is all noise. Like, don't listen to all this stuff about Brian Robertson. Like, it's not like this is they are literally just trying out new roles for him to see what else they can do to get uh, Gibson on the field as a playmaker. Right. Um, I thought that was all noise. And we sh- he showed it week one, right? He showed that he's just as talented as we thought he was his rookie year. And then he got hurt his rookie in his second year. He had the turf toe that plagued him pretty much the entire season. So, you know, I, uh, I, I thought this was kind of not necessarily expected. I mean, I don't think anybody expects him to finish this highly, especially without a touchdown, but I mean, he's just, he's talented, right? Um, yeah. So, um, and I think so. Another surprise. So driving Trevor Etienne or um, Etienne was getting drafted in the around the fourth round by most people, and then James Robinson outtouched him in the backfield by a pretty good amount. Um, we, me, and Eric have been Eric, uh, James Robinson truthers for for a while here, um, and it's, so I'm not really terribly surprised. What, what about you, Justin? Um, I mean, I I kind of was. Like I said, I'm kind of a value-based guy, so 
I was buying the dip, but I was surprised to see him come back from the injury as well as he did. Um, it's funny because I, I kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit because I was very out on Cam Akers based on what I saw last season. But, you know, I was getting James Robinson for like a second round pick. So I was kind of just like, okay, well, let's see what we got here. If I lose, it is a 2023-2. That class, as, we, as you guys have talked about, is expected to be pretty good. And so is 24. But I was like, I'll take the shot and see how it works. So I was just surprised to see how well he did, um, given the Achilles injury that he had, and based and also when he had it. You know, he had that week seventeen. Yeah. What What about you, Eric? Well, so the thing is, is I I had considered this to be a split backfield, and for the most part, that's what we saw. Uh, Robinson did have a higher uh, workload um, by. A, a large margin, the rushing, right? 11 rushes versus four. But ETN doubled him up in the uh, the passing game per target, two versus four. The thing for me was, is let's compare the two of them because we have to if we're discussing Jamie Robinson. I th- it's interesting. I thought ETN was the better runner, right? ETN showed elite speed, and he showed decent vision. Not good, but like – for, for him, my knock has always been he has crap vision, but he looked okay. He had the one really nice run up the left side, um, but as a pass catcher, it was disgusting. You know, a lot of people have been touting uh, Etienne as a good pass catcher. I thought that was mainly usage and and, and scheming at Clemson. Um, he looked bad as a pass catcher. But Robinson, like we said, coming off injury, I think this is just the beginning. I think he's going to be a ascending asset as the season goes on. We're going to see him get, I think, a lot of pass catching work, and he'll probably split the rushing work. So this is a player that if he's my RB3 on a team, I'm pretty excited because I think he can give you top 25 numbers. I think you need to sell Etienne right now. If you you still have Etienne, I think it's time to sell. this is the peak value you're going to see since he's a former first-round pick. He missed all of last year. Nobody's really seen him play. Um, I think this is the peak time to sell. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I, I've, I've been kind of – I think the Jaguars can win this division, but I I think both of them are actually peak sales almost. I think that there's not – I think, you know, you saw the split being 50-50. I just don't know if either one's going to really be – the game breaker you want them to be really unless you're in a deep league and then you're you're you know you're late your your low rb2s actually do start to matter when you get to that point yeah so uh enough for the running backs time to jump into the wide receivers so michael thomas he had two touchdowns to kind of vault himself back into the fold here uh were you guys impressed uh, with michael thomas coming back from injury justin um, I, yes and no, I, you know, they came back in the second half and I just, I, I was kind of shocked at how long it took them to get going. Um, I need to see more, I guess. I'm very happy with the two touchdowns. I, I'm a very big Michael Thomas fan. Um, he looked like, you know, it seemed like he was healthy and didn't look like he was, suffered any setbacks or anything. So that's also super encouraging after the two seasons we've had. So very impressed with it and hoping it continues, but shocked, I would say. For the two touchdowns, I'd say yeah. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I was I was sitting there with Michael Thomas and probably four or five lineups, and I'm just like, 
what the fuck? Come on. Like, you're supposed to be my guy, you know? And uh, it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. All of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. And he, he really made that second half uh, worth it. But that was more the offense. You know, I, it wasn't a Michael Thomas thing. They kind of got their ass kicked in the first half. Um, the fact that, like you said, he looked healthy, Justin. Um, yeah. And the fact that he was used towards the end zone, that's super exciting to me. Uh, you know, is this Michael Thomas of old wide receiver one overall? No, no. I mean, that highly unlikely. But I think Michael Thomas is going to be a mainstay in your lineups all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Because, I mean, and the thing is, too, and I think a lot of people, uh, you know, he, he was kind of rising up draft boards a little bit towards the, the end of draft season. But, you know, he he was like a seventh or eighth round pick in redraft leagues this year. Um, so, you know, so he, if you got him and on your team, you probably have a pretty good value there. Because uh, I think he'll probably finish as like a, at a minimum a high wide receiver two to, to a low wide receiver one. So, yeah. Um, so what about Devontae Adams? Uh, Eric, do you, what did you think about his debut with Oakland or Las Vegas? Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, so Devontae with, uh, with, uh, with Vegas, the thing was, is no one questioned the ability of Devontae Adams. It was, Hey, uh, is there, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the only target throwing to you all the time. Are you still going to be able to produce this super elite fantasy numbers? Well, he had 17 targets y'all. He had caught 10 of them. 141 yards. He got the touchdown. He had 31 point, you know, 30.1 points PPR. I mean, Devontae Adams could be the wide receiver one overall in 2022. Like, I, I, I'm really not that convinced that there's the drop off from what we were seeing the last few years in Green Bay. Like, yeah. he is a set it and forget it wide receiver one. Like, I think a bad year is wide receiver 10 from him this season. Yeah, I'm with you on that 110%. Um, you had that connection with him. I was worried a little bit about Hunter Renfro jumping in there, but yeah, I think Adams is locked in for another top five season, barring again injury, because he does seem to have those soft tissue injuries every now and then, or maybe not soft tissue, but I, a couple times I've relied on Adams and he sometimes gets hurt, but it's not like something that he's not like a DeAndre Hopkins who always has like a soft tissue injury. Yeah, so moving on to the next wide receiver. So this is, he was a big uh, breakout last year, Michael Pittman Jr. He had a really good game this week. Uh, are you guys buying this this like jump, or you you think he's a wide receiver one? Uh, what do you guys think, uh, Justin? Um, Michael Pittman, I'm kind of iffy on. I've, I have in a couple spots. I was really big on him in Debbie. I just don't really trust. I don't trust Matt Ryan. I think I think Michael Pittman has all the talent in the world. Uh, Matt Ryan looked like he would. Just looks like he's in the final chapters of his NFL career. Um, I didn't view that as an upgrade to Carson Wentz, really. So I think Pittman's good, but if someone blows me away with an offer, he's probably at the top of my list to see if I could kind of extort him. Like if you sent me, and I do not like C.D. Lamb a heck of a lot, but if you sent me C.D. Lamb and a one for Michael Pittman. I would heavily consider that. I know that they kind of were going opposite ways based on where they were drafted in Dynasty, you know, or in redraft too. A lot of people had Pittman over, you know, a lot of people had CD over Pittman. I think it's starting to go the other way now. Yeah, I I, I was wrong about Matt Ryan. I thought he was kind of, he had a, a little bit left in the tank. 
And it definitely didn't look like that last week. Um, and the thing is, I think it's catching up to Indy, right? Like they, they made this huge swing for Carson Wentz. They missed on that. Then they did the trade for, for Matt Ryan. And it looks like they might've missed on that. And I mean, this team, you know, like they, they have all the pieces except for the main one, the quarterback. Um, it seems like they would have been better served just like keeping all their assets, at least keeping the asset that they traded to get Matt Ryan and, you know, using that to try to maybe swing a deal for a, a top quarterback in, in 23. Um, but, you know, for for Michael Pittman specifically, right? Like Michael Pittman's going to be a star. Like if there's one thing about Matt Ryan is he will focus on one receiver and there's no really another, there's not really another option there for him to throw the ball to right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've got a lot of a, a pretty good target share for that for him. Um, and now the question is, does he, you know, does he look the same as he did this past week? Eric, what do you think? I mean, I, I'm biased. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. was my plant, my flag player at the wide receiver position in the NFL. And week one couldn't have happened any more perfectly for me. Um, I'm going to push back a little bit on the Matt Ryan, you're, you're done. I mean, he, they had a bad game. Right, they started off poorly, um, and he completed he completed over sixty percent. He had a seven point average uh, per pass attempt. I mean, it wasn't great, but it's a new team. Um, I I like to think that Matt Ryan will progress. Hopefully, you know the Alec Pierce and hopefully maybe Paris Campbell can improve as a second you know option. But Pittman had. 13 targets, caught nine, got a touchdown. I mean, right now you say CD and a one for Pittman. So if I could get that, I mean, I. That's I intense. I was thinking is, straight up personally, you know. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I'm super low on CD, but I think if I could get a one on top of CD, I, I'd consider it. I, I think that their I think that their talent is pretty equal, and I think that if you could convince someone to pay more to get Pittman instead, I mean, I'm not a huge CD fan, but I think he's got the better quarterback going forward for sure. See, I uh, thought except, I was except come... for the next like seven weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought I was going to come here and, and talk about you know being bullish on Pittman versus CD and say, yeah, I'll take Pittman straight up. You give me Pittman, I'll give you CD, and then. Justin over here blows my offer out of the water. Uh, so I tend to reach for the sky and then meet in the middle when I send offers out. You know, I, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I've seen some calculators out there where it's like CD, you know, I've seen it. I think I saw like CD in a third. So one's pretty ridiculous, but I think over the next couple of weeks, if the trends continue, if we're at week five and it looks a lot like week one, it gets a little bit more and more acceptable, right? So, oh, for sure. For I sure. tend to hold out because I, I think it's. I think we're going to see more of the same for CD. I know he's next on the list, and I'm going to hop out here in a sec. But I just think that I. I just don't think. I think the trend's going to keep going kind of the way it is at the current state. So that's why I think in a couple of weeks we, you could probably swing a deal like this and make a dynasty trade instead of a redraft trade because in redraft you would never want to you know swap these two. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, we appreciate having you on, uh, yeah. Justin, and uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for yeah. 
thanks for having me guys it was a lot of fun talking and so best of luck to you guys and i follow your guys' work so keep it up i appreciate it yeah thank you thank you justin thank you Bye. uh so we've talked a little bit about cd lamb I, I don't know what do you have anything else you really want to say about cd other than you know i i think the injury to dak is really the big storyline there yeah so justin just said it if you're in redraft cd's value is is in grave grave danger because Dak could be gone for eight weeks. Dak could be also gone for four. You know, we really don't know. It's a broken hand or sorry, broken thumb of the throwing hand. Big problem for a quarterback. And if you didn't realize that um, now, if we're going to talk dynasty value, I'm not nearly as worried with CD, right? CD, Justin was a bit of a hater. Let's be truthful. Uh, relative to consensus, at least uh, CD was pretty much consensus wide receiver three in startup drafts. Uh, and guess what? CD still had 11 targets. The issue was he caught two of them. You know, that's a big problem. But you you pointed it out well. The biggest problem by far for me, other than, you know, Dak's broken thumb, was the offensive line got their ass kicked. Um, but they brought in Jason Peters. He's 40 years old, so, you know, who knows, you know, how much football he's got left in him. But he's a Hall of Famer, right? This is an eight-time Pro Bowl freaking left tackle. This guy's a phenomenal player. Um, and they have rookie, um, uh, what's his name? Smith, Tyler Smith, the, uh, the left tackle. He played left for uh, tyrant. Am I just going with Smith? If I am, I'm sorry. But anyway, he's the Memphis left tackle rookie. He actually played decent. Um, but I think between him and Peters, they can hopefully as the year goes on, get a little better, improve that offensive line. Um, and I mean, what is CD going to get you with Cooper rush? I still think he's going to get you top 30 numbers. You know, he's going to be solid. Like he's not going to absolutely kill you. He's obviously not going to be your wide receiver one anymore. But next year when we're saying, okay, well, Dak's healthy and hopefully they draft another offensive lineman to improve it. And Michael Gallup's healthy. So he's not the sole focus of the defense because let's not forget Tampa Bay does have a very, very good defense. So they were really focusing on CeeDee Lamb and said, go ahead, chuck it down to Dalton Schultz, chuck it down to Noah Brown. You know what? Go ahead, Zeke, run it up. But I will say Zeke did look really good around the ball. But I'm not that worried because I still think CeeDee Lamb's going to be a top five wide receiver in Dynasty startups, you know, May, June, July of next year. So long term, I'm not that worried. Short term, I'm very worried. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm more worried – redraft than i am in, in dynasty I, I agree with everything you said right um i i don't I, I didn't think that cd should should have been wide receiver three in dynasty um necessarily either i think people were drafting situation rather than um than overall like what he has accomplished um but you know so Moving on, though, to A.J. Brown. So this is one situation where I, I was actually really surprised, right? Um, the Eagles, I've never seen Jalen Hurts play as well as he did, at least in terms of, like, you know, throwing the ball. A.J. Brown completely unlocked Jalen Hurts in terms of, you know, he struggled last year whenever kind of teams kind of took away the running game, but I don't think that's the case going to be the case this year. I think – you have an opportunity, like, if you don't have Jalen Hurts yet and you don't have A.J. Brown, like, these two guys are both, like, really good buys. The downside, though, Devontae Smith was not very good. Um, 
AJ Brown completely took out uh, Devontae Smith from the game plan. And it, it looked like, you know, Jalen Hurts was just not really all that interested in throwing to him. Uh, so this is kind of worrying to me, both redraft and dynasty for Devontae Smith's value. So here's my thing. It was great to see AJ Brown come to a new team and flourish. But here's my theory. Teams trade for a superstar wide receiver and give them enormous, enormous guaranteed dollars. Week one, they want to prove that what they did was the right thing. Let's look at some three players that fall in that category. Devontae Adams, 17 targets. Tyree Kill. 12 targets. A.J. Brown, 13 targets. Now, if what we see going forward is, you know, just what we're going to see with A.J. Brown getting 13 targets, Devontae Smith getting four, A.J. converting for 10 catches, Devontae getting held to zero, obviously, yes, Devontae Smith is who I loved. He was, I'll keep saying it, he was my wide receiver one in that class. I had him over Jamar Chase, and yes, I was wrong, but I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, obviously, if that keeps going forward, Devontae's value is not going to be anything until either Jalen moves on or Devontae moves on. Um, but I I say, hey, it's week one. Let's see what happens going forward. It is early. It is early. My thing, though, is I don't believe that Jalen Hurts is capable of producing two top wide receivers. I think he's yep. capable of producing two average receivers in fantasy. Uh, so we want to. So what we're looking at now is we want to see does AJ Brown go this way, and does he or basically does he go back towards wide receiver two uh, numbers, and Devontae Smith goes you know up to wide receiver two numbers, or do they stay the same, right? Or maybe even they'll have numbers weeks where they just flip completely, you know, and that's going to be what you're, what you're looking at with uh, Philly for the next couple weeks. Um, because really, like you're right, right? We don't know for sure, but I do think this is time to not necessarily panic, but to be aware of this being a potential huge negative for Devontae Smith. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest wide receiver rooms to, or pass catching rooms to evaluate because I think you have AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and uh, Dallas Goddard, who are all amongst the highest percentile of their position. I think talent wise, right? Raw talent. They are absolutely fantastic players. But you're right, Jalen Hurts as a fantasy player, fantastic. Honestly, as winning football games, I think he can be fantastic. We'll see. Um, but in terms of providing multiple receiving options, good fantasy numbers, like you said, that we have not seen. That is 100% has to be a projection, a you know, uh, an improvement. So, yeah, uh, hopefully you're not too heavily invested in any of those three pass catchers because I think it's going to be hard to – to, to figure out. Yeah, so uh, moving on to Debo, right? So I know you had said at the beginning of the, of the episode, you know, you didn't take anything from the monsoon game. Monsoon game. Um, I agree, uh, but I do think it kind of... So Devon, Debo Samuel last year, he had a... A lot of his games were 
touchdown based and a lot of it was from rushing now i one thing though i do think the elijah mitchell injury though helps debo because it's going to give him more opportunities in the rushing uh, game um but you know i think he was a little bit overrated coming into the season not like a ton overrated by any means but like i, I just don't think he was gonna ever gonna produce you know a, a wide receiver five season or four season ever again So the thing I have to push back on, just because I've been pushed back on it all offseason, people say the reason Debo was so great is because he started becoming a running back. In point, you know, fantasy points prior to that shift, because it was about halfway through the year, it was a big shift. He got a lot of targets, and then he got less targets and a lot of rushes. He was wide receiver two prior to that shift. He was wide receiver three after that shift. Very similar, but he actually was producing better as a sheer wide receiver. Obviously, that was Jim Garoppolo, very different. And I agree with Trey Lance. In order to be a fantasy stud, he's going to need to be involved. And well, and Brandon Ayuk kind of came out of the doghouse towards the end of the season as well. So that's kind of a factor there as well. Yeah. You want to talk about factors? George Kittle hasn't practiced all week still. With the groin injury, right? Miss week one. It looking like he might week, uh, miss week two. George Kittle obviously a phenomenal player, but all these injuries. Uh, the thing I'm taking away with Debo is not only did Debo get um, seven targets, he also had eight rushing attempts. And he converted one of those for rushing touchdowns. You know, everyone talks about how he had this crazy, unsustainable rate of rushing touchdowns last year. Well, one game, one touchdown. So I don't think it's crazy to think that he can have another 12 total touchdown season. I think wide receiver one season is in the bag. I'm with you. I don't think we're going to see a wide receiver two, three, four, five season. I think, you know, maybe wide receiver five. Like maybe that's the, the ceiling. But I'm more yeah. thinking like wide receiver eight to 14. Which It just still- depends on how long the injuries are. Right, like, because if George Kittle and Elijah Mitchell are both out, like the majority of the season, it sounds like Mitchell's out for basically the whole fantasy season. Yeah, he's out for eight for about eight weeks, which will yeah. probably end up being nine. Um, and then George Kittle, he'll he's, I, I don't think he'll play till week four. To yeah, be honest with you, um, but you know, and if that happens, then right, you're going to get a pretty solid jump on on your fantasy production from that point, and it might be a good idea to sell right when George Kittle comes back. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to the tight ends, right? So Kyle Pitts, right? Kyle Pitts, I was actually – I thought he was going to blow up the Saints offense because it seems like every year the Saints offense struggles with tight ends. But they really played well against Kyle Pitts. Um, and, but, um, look, I I don't think this is really terribly accurate in terms of, you know, uh, the production to expect out of Kyle Pitts. Um, you know, New Orleans, they do have a really good defense. Uh, you know, it, I, I feel like you need to take this game with a grain of salt. Like I, I've said that before. Right. But I think even with Cordell Patterson, even with, you know, Marcus Mariota, I think you need to take this game with a grain of salt because the saints and the Falcons, they always play each other tough and they always, always have completely different game plans for each other. Right. So I think it's, I think it's something to kind of, to pump the brakes on in terms of fading Kyle Pitts. 
So you you watched the game. I actually didn't. Um, Pitts was not covered by Marshall Lattimore, right? That was Drake London, correct? Yeah. So that's something to me, right? Not only was Drake London covered by Marshall they, Lattimore. They more schemed him out of the game than anything. I mean, still, but Drake London led the team in targets, receptions, and and receiving yards. Like, Kyle Pitts was so great last year. Why? Because there was no one else. Or, sorry, potentially that's the case. I mean, but then again, we look at fantasy. These are his numbers. This is in tight end premium, 1.75 per reception plus for tight ends. His, his season, 10.1, 16. 7, 12, 33.5, 4.8, 11.4, 13.8.1, 6.1, 11.8, 14.5, 14.7, 20.7, 10.4, 4.3. Like, it really wasn't that good. You know, he, he was high, and yes, he didn't get the, t- the touchdowns, but like, you know, after a bad game, what did I do? In all my leagues, I looked, hey, can I throw this trade offer, this trade offer, this trade offer, and try and get Kyle Pitts? And then in my contenders, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, wait a minute. I don't really think Kyle Pitts is going to be lighting it up this year. You know, with Marcus Mariota QB. Well, so if you have to think about it this way too, right? How many tight ends have you seen in their rookie year that have produced those numbers? Yes, yes. Tight ends do not break out in rookie years, right? So the expectation is that Kyle Pitts will build off of year one. If he doesn't build off of year one, though, and you just see the same player, then we're talking about a guy who's just like, he's just going to be the same his entire career, right? And, I mean, maybe that's not a big deal. Maybe it's a quarterback play. Um, but for me, you know, with Kyle Pitts, he's 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 a star, but he's going to have some bad games. And that's normal for tight ends. Look at all the rest of the tight ends this week, right? Like Darren Waller didn't have a great week. Uh, TJ Hawkinson didn't have, like, a fantastic week. Yeah, right. Andrews like, didn't. I mean, yeah, right. Like, really, it's not it is a normal the thing for tight ends. The good one, and you're right. It, it is about the QB. It's about the QB. That's what needs to unlock Pitts to get to that Kelsey level, where you know, week in and week out, you're going to get 12, 13 points a game. Like that. That's what it's going to take. And don't get me wrong, Pitts is absolutely my tight end one in dynasty. Um, it's just I'm thinking more, you know, immediate in the contender world. Uh, with Mariota at QB or if it's Desmond Ritter, either one, I'm not that excited because Drake London proved he's he's legit. So, and Cordell Patterson looked to be effective. So if you have a pretty solid, you know, running back receiver, you know, he's kind of that weird go-between because we know he can definitely take passes. Um, I don't know. It was also a weird game, right? How many games is Atlanta going to be like blowing a team out in the first half? Uh, you know, that's not going to be regular. So I think they're going to be a lot more pass heavy than than this past game was. Um, but hey, he got seven targets, right? Seven targets a game is is going to give you hundred and uh, whatever it is, nineteen targets overall. It was that's plenty good for a tight end. Um, but yeah, it was just a little sad to see him playing second fiddle to Drake London, but I'm not not panicking. So what about Dalton Schultz? What's your thoughts there? So Schultz, honestly, I think Schultz is the biggest beneficiary, honestly, from Dak getting hurt because I think Cooper Rush is just going to – I think what's going to happen is that they're going to guard against Zeke and Pollard. I think Zeke looked fantastic running the ball. He looked like old Zeke. 
Um, and I think what they're going to do is just going to bracket CeeDee Lamb, and, and then Dalton Schultz is going to be open to catch six, seven, eight passes a game. You know, these little six, seven-yard passes, um, even, you know, especially on, like, the third and eight. You know, he's going to be wide open for the six-yard completion. And then he's going to tackle short in the punt. And the defense will be like, yeah, that was a win. And then, you know, us and fans will say, yeah, that was a win, Dalton Schultz. You know, <laughs> two points right there. Like, yeah. so I think Dalton Schultz is, is going to be fine with Dak out. I agree with that. I, I mean, you might lose touchdown production, but I think you're going to gain a couple thumb balls. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what about Pat Farmuth? Fryermuth, honestly, so I love Fryermuth coming out. I was very bullish after week one. Um, but, you know, with, with Mr. Brisky in, with all the other weapons in, I was a little worried. Then he went and got 10 targets, and he converted five into 75 yards. So, I mean, I'm pretty excited. Like, I think he can be a very solid tight end one this year. Like, he's not going to be in that upper echelon, but – if he's your starting tight end this year, I think that you can compete for a title, which honestly I didn't expect that three weeks ago. So I will say this. So we're talking about tight end breakouts year two. Why not a tight a Pat Fryermuth breakout year two, kind of like Mark Andrews, right? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to have that kind of a breakout. I don't think it's necessarily likely, but it's possible. My biggest reason to say it's not going to happen is because of the different situations, right? Mark Andrews was one of a few, very few options pass catching wise. Whereas you've got Claypool, Pickens, um, Deontay Johnson, and Najee's a solid pass catcher too. Um, so because of that, I think it's less likely that he's going to ascend. Um, but I, I love the talent. I think that he's a big bodied athletic tight end. So I think it could happen. Um, yeah. I, just, I do agree. I, I'm not counting on it. No, I'm not counting on it either. I think it's possible, but it's unlikely. Um, I would like to see, you know, Pittsburgh have a draft a quarterback early next year, but uh, but then again, I'm a uh, uh, picket hater, so I want to <laughs> see Kenny pick. So here's my thing, and it comes to a lot of QBs, like a lot of the starters that we don't like. What it's going to come down, and this goes for Trey Lance too, is a really good point for Trey Lance. What it comes down is, are they winning football games? If Trey Lance is winning football games, it doesn't matter how he looks, he will play. If Mitchell Trubisky is winning football games, it doesn't matter how he looks, he's going to play. Um, it's true. You know, it's as simple as that. As long as they're winning football games, these are coaches, these are teams that they don't care. They're hoping we can progress, we can get better. And you know what? If it doesn't work out week 12, week 14, then we can bring in this other player and try him out. Uh, you know, obviously very different situations between Jimmy G and Kenny Pickett. But, um, yeah, I, I, we'll see. Obviously, dynasty-wise, Kenny Pickett's the future at QB uh, for Pittsburgh. But in the meantime, I think, I think we're going to see at least four or five games from uh, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, so let's uh, jump into some of the kind of previews of what we're kind of looking forward to. Um, so quickly, like kind of, what are you looking for, looking to, for the next couple of weeks, uh, in terms of, you know, what's your, what are your storylines that you're looking at? Yeah. So, you know, just going off what we have on the screen, uh, my number one concern is what's going to happen between James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Uh, we had a pretty clear, you know, indication that off of week one, James Robinson was a guy. 
I thought that ETN showed more promises at rusher than as a passer. So fantasy-wise, I prefer James Robinson because he showed red zone and passing game you know, success. I think ETN can be good as a rusher, but honestly, I'm starting to think he's more like a Nick Chubb than he is a, you know, name your favorite pass catching running back. Uh, I, I just don't see it in the passing game. Do you want me to just keep going through all these or do you want yeah, to give yeah, your thoughts ahead. on them? Yeah, just go ahead and go through all of them. And then I'll yeah, talk about so it the next thing is, is, hey, like what's going to happen between Lance and Fields when they're not playing a freaking monsoon, right? These are young QBs with good, powerful arms, and they've got great you know, use of their legs. Uh, the question is, is their accuracy and decision-making? What can they do you know, in year two when we're not in a monsoon? And the next big thing for me is, hey, we got this really fun game. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the year. Look out Minnesota. I think Kevin O'Connell, uh, former Pats uh, backup quarterback behind Brady, by the way, you know, no big deal. But uh, he was a great OC with, uh, with the Rams recently, and now he's the head coach in Minnesota. What's going to happen with the second quarter – or, uh, excuse me, wide receiver – between Minnesota and Philly because obviously Justin Jefferson wouldn't even mention him. He is why he's the best wide receiver in football, in my opinion. He's amazing. Uh, but Thielen had a quiet game. But Thielen, you know, in the last few years has been one of the better wide receivers. What can he do? And then behind A.J. Brown, what can Devonta Smith do? Uh, next up for me is the Pierce versus Burkhead usage slash performance. Burkhead got the advantage in week one. Uh, Lovey Smith says he wants to get Pierce more involved in week Two, we'll see. Let's see. Um, in terms of college, what I'm looking forward to is who's actually been the starter at Ole Miss. I mean, I've been a big Jackson Dart fan for a while, especially you know, especially once he transferred. But through the fall camp, it was very much you know a question mark, and they played uh, Altmaier you know a lot in these games. So we'll see. You know, I, I think Dart is a higher ceiling, but we'll see. And my other question is, is, hey, can we, like, finally see some elite production from these two elite wide receivers from LSU? Butte has looked uninterested. He, 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 at this point, if he doesn't, like, pick it up, I just want him to opt out. I just want him to say, I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft, right, if he doesn't really pick it up because I think he's hurting his draft stock. Uh, the other one is uh, Malik Neighbors. I, I think he's a good player. Uh, I've, he showed moments, obviously, as a you know a punt return. We mentioned this against FSU. He looked terribly at two muff punts, but last week he 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 was pretty good. He was the number one receiving yards player for them. Um, but there you have it. That's what I'm looking forward to in the next week. Uh, what about you, Robert? Yes. Yeah, so just commenting on some of these, some of these, um, you know, so Lance and Fields, uh, kind of the, what I want to see and what I have to say about uh, Fields is, and, and Lance is you're right in terms of like, if they, they just need a win in order to, to play. Right. But I do have a question though, especially with Fields, if the bears are one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, um, how likely is it that Fields doesn't have a job um, next year, right? How how likely is it that he gets uh, gets a replacement drafted? Uh, I think that's like kind of an interesting storyline to follow the entire year. Um, 
And then other than that, you know, so for Ole Miss, I think it's going to be Luke Allmeyer. Um, but I I think they have to, to get a, quarter, a quarterback this year. Like, they have to pick one. Um, and I think it's kind of weird that they didn't use both of these games to just completely, you know, figure that out. Um, I feel like they probably will go into this next game and just have one. But but we'll see there. Um, and then from LSU, I, I think LSU is a 5-1 team this year. So I don't think that they're going to get elite production because I don't think the team's good. So here's a question for you. Who wins more games, Notre Dame or LSU? Notre Dame. Easier schedule by far. What is the margin, though? Like, uh, if I, I would... gave you – if you were going to set the odds, right, plus or minus, you know, LSU wins versus – or excuse me, Notre Dame wins versus uh, LSU wins. I would I'm put really... LSU's over and under at six. I would put uh, Notre Dame's at seven. Oh, man, what a boring – come on, we don't want pushes. We want half-game margins here. Okay, so I'm going to do 6.5 for Notre Dame. Five. And then I'm going to do 5.5 for LSU. Wow. And I have them at the under. Six. All right. So what I – And that's with the one win against Southern already, like, baked in. Wow. They'll win, the, they'll win a second game against the, the FCS competition that they play. And then they'll lose every single SEC game except for one. Maybe two. You want to do a show bet? I think so – Robert and I have been talking about show bets offline for a while. And we this is the first time it's really kind of organically come about. I will say that LSU will win more football games than Notre Dame this season. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. So you'll yeah, take I, the I, bet. I'll take the bet. I'll take the All bet. right. We'll lock it in. We'll <laughs> yeah. put it on the sheet. So, you know, didn't really mean to happen, y'all. But what we're going to do is we're going to have these bets whatever they're about. We're going to track them over the course of the year. And then, you know, we'll check in periodically to see, you know, who got the best of the other, just a little fun way to compete. Yeah. The difference for me literally is just LSU plays in the sec against Alabama, uh, you know, uh, Ole Miss, Kentucky, right? Like they're going to play all these teams that are much, much, much better. Yeah, I mean, don't get you're not wrong. You're not wrong. The thing for me is, is they just lost Troy Buckner uh, at quarterback for the whole year, it looks like. And honestly, I think Notre Dame is way more hyped than they really are. First year coach. Um, they are I, I think they, than they I, should be. I think they could crumble. Like, their offensive line isn't that good. Uh, yes, they have Michael Mayer. I think the running game is a little worse than we thought. Uh, and their defense, I think, is good. But... They're, they got to play UNC. They got to play USC. They got to play uh, Michigan, I believe. I, I think I think they're looking at a six and sixteen. But anyways, they um, could push. They could both be six and six. To be completely honest, so it, that's definitely a possibility. And if they push, that would be sad for our first show bet. But uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I think I'm taking the underdog personally. So you know, but anyways, <laughs> hey, uh, great episode. I think that's probably it. Uh, we. Why don't you wrap us up? Yeah, you know, uh, thanks everybody for joining, and uh, yeah, we hope that uh, you enjoyed the content today. Um, if you have anything that you want to talk about in the next episode, just uh, let us know on Twitter, on Twitch, uh, let us know in the YouTube comments, uh, anything like that. Um, and we thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Smash the subscribe. <laughs>